So, so yeah, if you been... sort of introduce the bit you want to talk about, and then I'll chuck in. Chuck in your two cents worth. Two cents worth. Two we'll centimes. Ask you questions if your there's... deux centimes worth. Oui, oui. <laughs> Alors, let's do this one in French, Angela. Alors. Alors. Bonjour, Angela. Uh, je suis... <laughs> oh, je suis très content. Le, le singe est dans l'arbre. Oh, <laughs> remember the monkeys in the that, tree. Eddie's did that whole bit about trying to use his French. He's going, I took this monkey in France. I put up a tree in France. They go, oh, the Saint-Gé don't know. I remember doing my, um, it was my, actually my German oral exam for my uh, GCSEs. Yeah. And, I, you know, like I just freeze in situations like that. Yeah. I can't think of the most simple things. And um, you just, so the woman asked me, uh, I, oh, that's right. It just said on the bit of paper, it says you've, you've hurt your foot or something, or you've oh. got this injury. You have to explain to the person what's happened. And so she said, oh, have you hurt yourself? And I said, yeah, I've hurt my foot. And she said, what did you do? And of course, most people went off playing football. Right. Or, you know, and my mum, the only sentence I could think of was that I shut it in a cupboard. That's good. <laughs> just we. She probably enjoyed hearing yeah. something a Mine, bit different. I said, my, my, um, they said to me in my French uh, oral exam, they said, what does your father do? I thought, what, what's an antiquarian book dealer in French? Yeah. I went, oh, il est fermier. He's a farmer. Yeah. And uh, then they chatted with me about other things. And then they said, so what do you do on the farm? I went, what? Yeah. <laughs> what, you, what farm? Yeah. Oh, the farm. Oh, the farm. The old farm. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, beaucoup de mouchons et de vaches. I, in my, I think it's my A-level German. They asked me, uh, I was talking about my boyfriend at the time. Yeah. And they asked me what his good qualities were. Oh my God, that's a bit And intense. I thought I'd say the word um, for polite, which is herflich. All right. But I actually said häufig, which okay. just means he's frequent. Oh, no. <laughs> right, me. Credit where it's due. He's very frequent. He's very frequent. <laughs> she looks at me like, and I've just repeated the same thing. I'm so convinced I got it right. Hello and welcome to We Are History. The history podcast uh, for people who don't really need to know that much about history. It's a history podcast to tell you the things that you thought you'd heard about, but you didn't know much about, and uh, you, you might want... you might learn a bit more. You might, you might learn. Not. You might have a chuckle along the way. You might do. I'm Angela Barnes. I'm John O'Farrell. What and are we talking about today, Angela? Today we're talking about. Uh, oh, is it Lol? I was going to be all clever there with my French, and then I realised I didn't know Sierge. <laughs> Was masculine or feminine? Well, what is a siège? La siège de Paris. Ah, the siège of Paris. Oh, the siege of Paris. Uh, siege of Paris. Fantastic. Ouais. Formidable. I have to say, John, you've got, you, we're speaking French and I've, you've made me a cup of tea. We're at John's house today. He's made me a cup of tea um, and, and it says, I love my vagina on I heart my vagina. That's my daughter's mug. Your and daughter's I'm very embarrassed that the, the guys who are doing the decorating downstairs didn't pick up that one at least, but you did. Yeah. Well, maybe I gave it to you, I don't know. I didn't pick it up, John. You gave it to me. <laughs> I heart my And vagina. then you brought me to your bedroom to record this best, podcast. It's where the best sound is. Yeah, the right. curtain's drawn. The curtain's yeah. drawn. You're in my bedroom with an I heart my vagina mug. And now we're speaking French. I mean, I'm not, you know. <laughs> Fortunately, Spike, our engineer, is here. He's making sure that Menage it's all, it's all, it's not like I want you to do a podcast me like those French girls. <laughs> um, today we're talking about the siege of Paris, 1870-1871. Yes. Incredible, really, that a major European city was besieged like that, uh, mm. surrounded by the Prussian army, and um, uh, for many, many months yeah. was forced to uh, live off whatever they could find within the city walls. 
Yep, just any old bits of croissant lying about. <laughs> so you, I didn't know you knew so much about French food, yeah. Angela. <laughs> I am very European. <laughs> oh, you are. Um, so tell, give us some bit of background before the uh, Franco-Prussian War of 1870. So we're in the middle of the Second French Empire. Are we? Napoleon, la troisième. The third. No, so, tw- is that troisième? Yeah, that yeah, third? yeah. Oh, I've doubted myself then. Yeah. Look at that. It's been a while. And He's uh, the nephew of the famous Napoleon, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, uh, so he's uh, not the short one, the no, one. right. And uh, tell us a bit about him. He uh, he's ruled France since 1848. Year of revolutions. Um, he expanded the empire, second largest navy in the world after Britain. Come on, come on, <laughs> beating the French. That's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my god! Second largest navy in the world. Yeah. So it was um, uh, a sort of pretty prosperous, confident time in the 1860s for the French. They yes. had their um, Exhibition Universelle d'Industrie. Dan, dan ah, the uh, Great Exhibition. Uh, yeah. Yes. But they loved it. I mean, that time, mid-19th century, yeah, everywhere loved, was having a great exhibition. They loved it, didn't they? The Brits had one in 1851, I think, with Crystal Palace. We did indeed. Um, and then the, the French had one, and it was like... Uh, your visitors from all over Europe in 1867, you had crowned heads of Europe and included Otto von Bismarck of Prussia who came along and thought, hmm, Paris is nice. Isn't maybe, it lovely? This maybe exhibition come, has made me fancy a bit yeah, of this. Maybe I'll come back here in a few years' time. <laughs> um, the exhibition thing, because they, they sort of came back again, didn't they? A hundred years later, you had a lot of expos in the sort of Oh, 50s. you did, didn't it? Yeah, Expo um, 54, whatever. Yeah, yeah. and um, we, oh, we have Festival of Britain. 51. 51. Yeah. And um, there was talk, wasn't it, last a, year of having a... A post-Brexit a one. A post-Brexit one. Oh, God. Which, uh, again, we don't know. Uh, oh, we may be like in the, the middle mille- of one when this podcast like bl- comes out. It'll be like the bloody Millennium Dome, won't it? Can you imagine? Remember how cross people were about the Millennium Dome? Tony Blair got so much flack for that. And it's like, I think he's got more flack than that than the Tories have got for Brexit, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, just a stupid dome. It was against the backdrop of then the Iraq war. I think the no, two no, it together. Pre, it, was, it was pre. It was pre. Well pre but pre, I mean. Yeah, yeah. 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 I the, think people, the two together were the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Paris, a city of two million people. Yeah. Uh, a sort of, you know, a centre of culture, art. Uh, fashion. Fashion, you know, very sophisticated city. Yeah. Who would have thought these brutish Prussians could have beaten? Now, the, Prussia uh, is, I always find this sort of mid-European kind of. Yeah. Uh, um, you've got Prussia and then you had uh, Austro-Hungary. And, yeah, yeah. All of this. It's sort of quite good. So the Prussia we're talking about is sort of old Poland, bits of Lithuania. Uh, yeah, bits of sort uh, of, it was quite big by this point. So right, it's quite yeah. a lot of northern Germany had been swallowed yeah. up by um, uh, Bismarck. Um, Bismarck was basically the guy who would win diplomacy every Christmas. You know, he was like, <laughs> uh, he'd be uh, uh, organising wars between, you know, all the rival uh, it's power. It's a board game. It's a board game diplomacy. I've never played diplomacy. Oh, it's an old thing. That basically, Is it like again, Risk? It's because you're so young, Angela. That's what it is. So, so young, yeah, John. Sort of thing That's why I like doing this podcast with you. It's the only place I feel young, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's one of those, it is like Risk. It's one of those uh, board games where, you know, I want to be the uh, Ottoman Empire or I want to be the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Right, Bismarck yeah. was the best at this, I'm telling right. you. He could kill and, everyone and, at Christmas. And Prussia, is, I mean, it's always changing, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it would have been where, uh, where Gdansk is now. That was Danzig. Yeah. And then there would have been, that was East Prussia. But then a large chunk of uh, the Germany that uh, survived up to the Second World War would have been the large shots of what became East Germany. Uh, most of Northern Germany was uh, subsumed into Prussia, Prussia by this yeah. point. But 
It's a strange it's, time, wasn't it? You sort of go to bed German, wake up Polish. It's that's like, just if, yeah, it's like you know people of, yeah. people were very fluid about their um, yeah. their nationalities back then. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> you know, his his mission was a unification of uh, German speakers, and uh, war with France mm. would have been very useful uh, in this uh, mission of his. Get but the he southern states, get the southern Bavarian type states uh, into the idea of uh, supporting him. Yeah, uh, but he couldn't attack France because that would be a bad sort of move and make the southern Germans think, oh no, we don't want to get involved in that. But if he can mm. get the French to attack him and be victorious, uh, so you then prod the old keep, wasp's nest a bit. Gave him a bit of a poke. So mm. um, how did he do that? Well, uh, there was a succession. Uh, crisis in Spain. So a Prussian prince became a candidate for the throne of Spain and France was thinking, oh, we don't want encirclement by a Prussian alliance. Well, yeah, because if we've got Spain... Yeah, Spain up there. Um, uh, Spain down there, sorry. Uh, Prussia yeah. up there. Thunder outside at the prospect of this. I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah, we had car alarms. We had thunder today. It's all going off. Um, so, yeah, so he uh, stirred things up a bit and he sent a very rude telegram and the French public were very angry uh, and demanded... Say? Really they demanded war with this upstart Prussian kingdom who they thought was just, you know, they hadn't quite come to terms with what a strong and militaristic power Prussia was. Right. They, they were still thinking of it as one of these minor German states. Imagine, John, imagine being a, a country that's just still basking in... Past glories. Past, past I can't imagine military that, glories. I, I, can't, I can't imagine what that would feel like. They said of uh, somebody witty, I think it, it's often attributed to Voltaire, but I don't think it was, said... Uh, uh, Prussia was not a uh, country with an army, but an army with a country attached. Right, <laughs> such yeah. a such a militaristic uh, power that um, you know they were uh, they were much more prepared for for war than the French gave them credit for. Yeah. Um, and so this is, as I say, part of his plan. Um, and France at this point used to winning, right? Uh, well, yeah, I suppose so. They'd had uh, uh, Crimea. And they with which they fought with Britain. They're yeah. a they're a strong power, but they. Yeah. Um, I think apparently, if you googled f recently, uh, googled French military victories, the joke was it came up. Do you mean French military defeats? And some <laughs> little some little wag in the Google office had done that. But um, uh, no, this was all part of Bismarck's plan to for, for German unification between 1815 and uh, and this war. About 37 German speaking states. Um, existed within the German Confederation. So this right. is a process of bringing Germany into one big country. Right. So anyway, they'd been prodded and poked into war. And so in the summer of 1870, a very confident France declared war on Prussia and mobilised their army with all the speed of a stoned tortoise. <laughs> it was like... Was that just complacency or was it just being French? I think it was probably a bit oh. of... Oh, oh, Actually, Demain. I'm going to jump forward now because there was a point in the um, in the siege itself when they issued orders and the National Guard debated whether to, they had a debate about, well, shall we follow this order? Can you imagine running an army on that basis? So yeah. they go, attack. Well, uh, there has been well, a motion to a attack. Reference. There's been a motion to attack. Do we have a seconder for attack? What are the, under the, uh, under the standing orders of the committee 12 about attack? It's like. Know? Being in the Labour Party. It's exactly like being in the Labour Party. I've done those meetings. I know what it's like. Um, uh, so, yes, they um, they mobilised very slowly and the Prussian army mobilised very quickly and almost immediately defeated um, the French at Sedan on the 2nd of September 1870. Right. Sedan, just on the French border there, exactly where Hitler's breakthrough was in 1940. I might have tightened stuff up a bit. He might have taken down that little velvet rope that you yeah. have outside the theatre and put up a proper barrier. 
because <laughs> you need something you need something more solid there <laughs> so uh, yeah i mean almost immediately prussians captured an entire french army and napoleon iii became a prisoner of war like in like the first day Bish of the war Bosch, Bosch done and paris couldn't believe it yeah uh world turned upside down uh it was it was like a it was like a prussian waiter being polite oh <laughs> No, it was like, um, so, um, uh, yeah, and so the government fell. The news uh, prompted the overthrow of the Second Republic. And so, really, there was no one for the victorious Prussians to negotiate with. Um, so they've defeated an army. Yeah, they've defeated an army. And French, now what? French general's going, c'est pas moi. Mm-hmm. C'est pas, c'est, c'est pas moi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, it's nothing mm-hmm. to do with me. You have to go and talk to information officer. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and Paris was suddenly under threat. They thought, oh my God, they'd always thought that Paris was this, you know, uh, uh, center of the universe, they thought. And um, yeah. suddenly the Prussians were steaming down Marching the main on. road, thinking, should we go on the motorways and pay the tolls or should we go on the side roads? It'd be prettier. <laughs> <Let's go laughs> the, um, um, so, yeah, so uh, the French, uh, the remnants of the uh, French army dug in around Paris. Uh, they, the Paris still thought they were going to be victorious. It's um, slightly deluded. Do you know, so they, they sort of blinkered patriots just yeah. refusing to see what's in front of them. Yeah, and absolutely. I wish I could think of an analogy I, for that. <laughs> There's a lot of analogies um, of blinkered patriots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Victor Hugo. Victor Hugo. Victor Hugo. Great Victor Hugo. hero. The Lincoln. French mobbed him as he t- returned to Paris on the 5th of September, waving his poetry book. That'll do it. Poems, that's how you defeat the Prussian army. Bit of poetry, mate. Highly militarised Prussian state and uh, (laughs) the French were getting excited about uh, Victor Hugo turning up with his patriotic poetry book. And the mob were shouting out quotes of his poems, uh, inspiring them. You know, can you imagine if you know British squadies were inspired by <laughs> Pamers or something? <laughs> we both went straight I to Paris. I wish I looked after me tea. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, at the Falklands War. <laughs> I'm a bonnie rabbit sitting in my hutch. <laughs> can Don't you imagine it? Pam. I love a bit of Pam. She's good. We like Pamers. Um, so yes, yeah, so, um, 19th century Paris was did have a wall and encirclement and 16 forts around it. It was well defended. A defensive wall had been built 13, 30 years earlier. Um, so the Prussians all just went and camped out of Versailles. Uh, sort of hang old... out of Versailles, wait for someone to surrender. Exactly. They sort right, of, yeah. you know, look at the Hall of Mirrors, look around the gift shop. Yeah. Um, while their army encircled Paris. It's a bit like that thing, isn't it, when um, a, a sort of a, a kid is having a huff. You're like, they'll come down when they're hungry. <laughs> you know, we'll just wait here. <laughs> we'll don't, wait don't, the... no, don't go up there, Jeff. Don't go up there. That's <laughs> what he wants. You just wait here. The French are sulking. They'll, yeah, they'll, they'll come ask out for when peace. they're hungry. <laughs> yeah it was a bit like that um, um so they had a, um, a general in paris general truchel mm-hmm. and so he became the sort of de facto head of state uh leading the army of national defense but this was basically a bunch of untrained undisciplined uh locals and as i say they debated orders before they followed them and they just sort of uh vowed to defeat the Germans without really having an idea how to do it. Just pure patriotism and poetry alone. Poetry, I think, is going to do poetry it. Poetry and debate. That's poetry and and debating whether to attack, yeah. <laughs> um, so, of course, now, suddenly, uh, no way in or out of Paris. Right, so uh, Paris in lockdown. Paris in total lockdown. But how do you get out of Paris in 1870? Hmm. Ah, balloons. 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 The French had been the leaders of uh, balloon technology. Montgolfier? Montgolfier's Montgolfier? granddaughter was still there. 
And mm-hmm. she was there to see the first balloon fly out. Uh, so did, was there in the middle of Paris? In the middle, there's a balloon, balloon factory. It was a balloon a factory. A hot air balloon factory. They were making little Dachshund dogs and fold <laughs> them into giraffe shapes. They said, stop that. We've got to make bigger balloons. So I pictured it now of like the start of Up, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was just like that. So, yeah, so suddenly there was a way out of Paris. Um, but, um, yeah, on the 24th, a huge crowd gathered to see... Um, the 24th of September. Sorry, 24th of September, yeah. yeah. And he flew over and he dropped his business cards over the Prussians. 4,000 business cards he dropped on the Prussians with the corner turned over each one. That's the etiquette of the day to say I called, but you weren't in. Uh, and he dropped 4,000 of them on top of the Prussians. How cocky to, is that? I know, it is. That's but the thing so is, French. <laughs> you don't know where a balloon, you can't control where a balloon lands. What if it lands in Prussia? <laughs> well, it, I don't know. One of them landed in Norway. Right. Break, breaking the world distance balloon record inadvertently. <laughs> uh, well, two of them floated off over the Atlantic, never to be seen again. Oh, God. So their, their, their crew were lost. Meanwhile, over in Brittany, General Troshu's, Troshu, General, General Troshu, I think. Yeah, heads of the, um, the head of the, uh, the, the, the dithering the, army. The, the dithering army. His mother was praying in her cottage in Brittany for right. his safe release. She said, God, send me a sign. Send me a sign. This is a true story. Right. At that point, the balloon from Paris crashed through her roof. No. And, uh, yeah, it landed on her house while she was praying. So, That's quite so a sign. That is quite, that is quite <laughs> a sign from God. So thank you, God, for that sign. I'm not quite sure what it says. Um, but yeah, so the balloons were a whole uh, a massive way in and out for each of them. Um, but there was very little news getting in or out. They did take pigeons. Mm with them when they went on the balloons. Ah, we yeah. did a whole podcast yeah, on pigeons. We did do a whole podcast, podcast on pigeons. pigeons. Go back and listen, folks, uh, the pigeons episode in World War II. It's very interesting. Yeah. Angela got me into that, and so it's a good one. <laughs> um, so they took pigeons with them, and the pigeons started to um, carry little messages, really, really microfiche type messages, and they were yeah. projected on a projector on a wall, and you could copy them down, your personal yeah. messages to friends. And uh, even bank drafts and money could be sent via pigeon messages. Um, so that became the main form of uh, communication. Right. Pigeons going out by balloon and being sent back. Sent back. Uh, they did try and lay a cable down the Seine, but the Germans discovered it. They tried to float bubble, glass bubbles down the Seine. So sort of put messages in. Yeah, yeah, like message in a bottle. Bowl them down the- <laughs> message in a bottle, yeah. Um, but then the Seine froze over, so that was no good. Um, Surely that would make it easier to bowl. Well, them. I suppose so. That's what they should have tried to skate down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, so but no, it was very hard to get any any messages in or out. Uh, and so what happened? What sort of news spread in that situation? Lies, damn lies. Fake, fake news. Fake news is what I was looking for, Angela. The birth of fake news. So yeah, so Bismarck had been killed. It said Napoleon III had. That was escaped. the news that was getting in. Yeah, that's what they. That's what they all just eagerly believed. The French newspapers inside Paris. Where were they getting the fake news? Some one person just had to say it, wish yeah. fulfillment. Everyone goes, have you heard? Napoleon III has won a great victory and the army of the Orléans is coming towards us. The army of the Loire is on its way. And uh, it was printed and everyone um, completely believed it. The French army had reached Berlin is what they were told, which is all wow. utter nonsense. And so uh, they weren't relieved. There was, there, was no, there was no relief coming from the army of the Loire. No one turned up and suddenly they thought... I think we're in for a long siege here. Yeah. I think we better button down in France, wait for winter. They bricked up the museums. They covered their statues in wooden boxes. and They, they turned bricked out, up their museums? They bricked up their museums. So they didn't want everything getting the, 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 the cannons, getting all the precious artifacts in the ah, Louvre. I see. You know, so you've got you know, cannonballs flying through the air. You don't want the you Mona Lisa smile knocked yeah, off, yeah, do you? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want, I mean, you know, my, 
Michelangelo's David losing his legs as well as his arms. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's Venus de Milo, isn't it? Venus Honestly, Milo, John, you, you're <laughs> such a philistine. <laughs> um, lights all out. They couldn't use their lights all dark at night. The northern lights were seen. This was in Paris. Omen. Is that usual? No, that would no. be the sort of Central European lights, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. No, the northern lights normally Scotland and Scot- Iceland. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Scotland if you're lucky. Scotland, yeah, right? well, yeah. So that was a, a great omen. They were settling down for a long siege. Long and, winter. Um, that might be the time for and us. And of course, no food's getting in, right? No food's uh, getting in. They've got to decide what to eat. Yeah, very little you can grow in Paris, I would have thought, in the winter. Exactly. Yeah. So well, let's let's uh, onions. Let's, cons- let's go. Let's <laughs> let's take a break and have food. Let's eat a load of food. And whilst we think about the French starving in Paris <laughs> in uh, in the in the winter of eighteen seventy, as they settled down for a long, long wait. Welcome back. We are talking about. Uh, I still don't know if it's La or Le. Le siege de Paris. de Paris. I think it's like a, a siege has got to be masculine, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds like a like masculine that. thing to do. Le siege de Paris. Le siege de Paris. Um, and so we've got to. We've got our uh, Paris in lockdown. Paris in lockdown. We've got the Prussian army hanging around in Versailles, waiting to. See Wait what for, happens. Yeah, Bismarck living that um, up over there, getting loads of uh, uh, business with the local uh, French people. Yeah, we're, we're coming up to winter now. So, yeah, suddenly, um, suddenly, uh, and no food can get into Paris. No food can get in or out. Or out. Uh, well, and, I don't know why you'd want to send it out at that point. It's a good point, actually. You wouldn't yeah. export, would you, in a siege? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're, you're on it. You should, you, should, you should have been running this siege. <laughs> I've got a quote here from this Stop book. Stop sending the food out. We're I starving. Got, the, my, the book I read on this mainly was The Siege of Paris by Robert Baldick. And he's got a great uh, quote that uh, he cites here. I want to read this out. Um, this is what they, this is what they uh, the, the, the French said at the time, the authorities. Mere hunger they said, is uh, a very bad guide to what you need. A common method of allaying its pangs is to press the stomach tightly. It is quite certain that one physical sensation will get rid of another, such as hunger, which, moreover, may be dissipated by having recourse to inert substances like sand, which assuredly contain no sort of nourishment. So this is uh, the advice being given to prisoners. Press your stomach. Press your stomach, eat sand. (laughs) So... Um, I'm not sure how widely that was uh, that was taken, but um, food became a major problem. Of course, they start to fish in the Seine and eat the the dace and the bream and the gudgeon and all the little uh, fishes uh, swimming around in the muddy, muddy waters of yeah. Paris. They started to um, eat horses. And this is where the I think is, this so is they where, weren't eating horses. I don't think they were eating horses much before this. this is now they're quite I got, famous for their horse eating. I think that might come from the siege of Paris. I'm not sure oh, about this, but uh, the impression I got from this book is that they turned to eating horses. Wow! And the the thing they decided was that cart horses were more tender than race horses because cart horses have been bashed so much. Oh yeah, just. It makes uh, tenderizes the meat, right? Exactly. So they, whilst they're alive, they're getting their ass thwacked. You know, also, by the cruel. Horses, not a lot of meat on them, right? Bit sinewy, sinewy, and uh... yeah. So um, there was some uh, dreadful joke that your uh, I read that uh, oh your um, um, your, your your stew your horse stew is uh, running away with you, you know, overboiling. And I said, yes, it must be a racehorse stew. And this was a very funny joke in Paris in 1870. Not, not known for their comedy, are no, they? No, 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 French, French sitcoms. It's, that's why they're better at mime. It's better if they just don't speak. <laughs> racehorse stew is running away with you. Oh, you had to be there. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, 
Cart horses were eaten. Special butchers for cats and dogs. Goldfish you're were starving. You yeah, you're going to eat your goldfish. You're going you? to eat whatever you've got. I um, um, that's why I think Boris Johnson's got that dog. Number really? Ten. He's going to you know, eat it. It's company for him while times are hard, and after Brexit, vital protein. There's a list here of the different you dogs. Know. I'm going to read out. No, the different foods sold by the zoo. So uh, this is the, the, the account uh, of 18th of October, one dwarf zebra, two buffaloes. Um, 23rd of October, 12 carp, two yaks. Then uh, one reindeer. Sorry, where were they getting yaks in Paris? This is all from Paris from Zoo. Zoo. This is Paris I Zoo. I saw you said that. I wasn't paying attention. Paris Zoo flogging off their stock. Oh my God. So there's people, uh, the Bengal stag, uh, uh, 26th of November, one wapiti. Raised, I don't know, but it raised two and a half thousand francs, which is quite a lot on this list. Now, does uh, that mean it was a big animal or a, just a tasty one? I bet big because big, yeah. the elephants, two elephants went for 27,000 francs. Jeez. which is almost more than everything else put together. The two elephants were called Casper and Pollux. And their, their, their massacre, were, their, their massacre, it's a bit dramatic, their, their execution yeah. And uh, Carver it was quite a famous event in the Paris siege. And everyone in Paris claimed to have had a bit of elephant steak. They all said, oh, yes, I had some. And in fact, if everyone who had had some had some, there would have been like 40, 20 elephants. elephants. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, two camels, one yak calf um, and the mysterious Wapiti, which I'm sure somebody will text us and tell us what that is. How do you spell it? W-A-P-I-T-I-S. Feel free to Google that spike whilst we're chatting away. Uh. What is. Yeah, so um, they ate a lot of food from the zoo and um, and they ate rats. French, French ate. Well, you would do. I think, you, of course you would, yeah. Uh, it feels disgusting, but it's no more disgusting than anything. Than, than squirrel, meat. is it, really? You eat, is it? <laughs> um, but being France... Uh, you didn't just uh, eat rat. You got to choose your rat in the restaurant. So like, they, like a lobster tank yeah, full yeah. of rats. So they had a whole tank of rat and going, oh, is that one there looks very fat. It's, <laughs> that looks delicious. Do we know what a wapiti is yet? Ratovan. Ratovan. Mm. This is great. It's great for an audio medium. Listen while someone Googles a thing. We'll probably cut this out. <laughs> uh, red deer. Oh, it's a type of deer. Of a large race native to North America. Also called an elk. Oh, oh it's an elk. A Why didn't they just say elk? Wapiti is an elk. We've just got our engineer to Google it. A Wapiti <laughs> is an elk. So calm down. Get off the Twitter, everyone, and off the off the World Wide Web now. We found out what it is. It's just an elk. But that's probably... Yeah, Have that's... you ever eaten elk or like venison or... I've had venison. I've not no. had elk. You, I mean, you've had elk with your trips to Canada. I've had moose. Moose? Yeah. Well, like chocolate moose. moose. I mean, I don't eat meat now, but when they, my meat eating days... I, well, I have to admit, I've just been on holiday to Newfoundland. Yeah. And um, it's fine when you're in St. John's, the sort of city, but we were touring and I had to eat fish because otherwise I would have starved to death. You can't explain, God, and I can say this about them because they're my family, but you cannot explain to a Newfie out in the bay somewhere that you don't eat meat or dairy or eggs. They think you've had some sort of... Episode. Any, any interesting villages you visited, Angela, with nice place names? There, there, well, there's lots of interesting. I, I know exactly what you're uh, trying to get me to talk about here. I spent four nights in Dildo, John. <laughs> you do anything from the Dildo gift shop? You bought me? <laughs> Lovely time in Dildo. Um, there is a uh, a town in Newfoundland called Dildo, and um, it is it's beautiful little place. Yeah. Um, on a everywhere in Newfoundland's on a bay, so they're yeah. all um, there's a lovely brewery. There, okay. Like, population, I think about six hundred people, so very really? small. But uh, it's recently been on TV because Jimmy Kimmel in the states, yeah, 
um, sort of discovered there was a town called Dildo. Oh, I see. Uh, and I'd already booked my holiday there, actually, before uh, you beat Jimmy Kimmel. Bigged it up. Um, but he's now, there's now a campaign for him to be the mayor of Dildo. So <laughs> you walk around, you walk around Dildo at the moment and there's just signs everywhere that just says, Jimmy loves Dildo. <laughs> and uh, he paid, Jimmy Kimmel paid for them to have a big, uh, like Hollywood style sign saying dildo in the hills and it's up it's massive i've got photos <laughs> of it. I'll, tweet them. I'll tweet them after um, this that's good yeah so visit dildo it's, visit oh, it dildo, is beautiful. Is i with, really recommend it for a holiday it's beautiful this is this is uh this is our this is our how we how, this is how we explain the siege of paris we get onto towns in <laughs> towns in newfoundland called dildo you uh, brought it up john i did i think i did i did i, I saw your you <laughs> there's, sent there's me a actually photo, a t-shirt you could buy yeah um uh that was the jimmy kimmel inspired t-shirt that says everyone has a bit of dildo in them <laughs> Oh, that's lovely. lovely. What a lovely thought. Thank you, Jimmy, for that. <laughs> um, back to the siege of Paris. The the search for blame, because the French couldn't quite believe that this was uh, this had befallen them. Uh, this, this this absolute catastrophe. So they, there must be spies or fifth columnists who'd, who'd caused this. Right. And um, anyone who was wearing a suspicious hat came under immediate suspicion. So Parisian. Isn't it? Oh, his Isn't hat it? is not like a French beret. <laughs> so there's what a is crazy hat? There was an English doctor um, who had a chimney pot hat. I don't know what, it's like, I suppose, like a... Like a, a stove a, pipe. Yeah, yeah. Arrested 27 times. He must be a spy. Look at his hat. Just because of his hat? Yeah, so if you've got to go undercover, you wouldn't wear a well, stove pipe hat. Well, I say rightly so. You know, Paris, time of fashion. That's the worst thing you can do. That's probably what it was, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, the women of Paris formed the Amazons of the Seine. Isn't that cool? Sounds very impressive. They would take charge of the ambulances and release men for the ramparts. Uh, They wanted to take over. So it was in sort of a, um, like a miners' wives in the miners' strike. It was like, let us do our bit. Uh, And uh, so they organized themselves into battalions. Um, and that was the ordinary Parisian women. The, it was great as well in 1870s. That's yeah, pretty, that's quite uh, advanced. Yeah, but yeah. The, sort the of posh, pre the World War One yeah, women haven't yeah, doing yeah, their yeah, bit. And the pre, nurses yeah. And, yeah, but the posh French women decided that having a injured soldier with you was a great fashion accessory. So they what? would they would ride around in their carriages with a a, a a Parisian soldier with his arm in a sling, going, "Look at me! Look I've what I've got! Found. One, I've got a mascot!" and um, it made you untouchable. You couldn't be sort of like jeered at or you were obviously doing a great doing help. Doing your bit. Yeah. So the people poor were, soldier. I know going, we've been riding around in this ambulance for three days. You're going to take me to a hospital? Or? Yeah. I mean, um, so uh, having them in the house made you safe, apparently. So you were, people were not likely to burgle you or um, uh, criticise you or attack you or try to get because your... Because you had an injured soldier. You had an injured soldier. So people would pay to have injured soldiers in their house and would display them quite openly. Look, I've got, look at me with my, look at this little tour de cake on his head with a bit of tomato ketchup on it. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> you could fake those yeah, injuries. I think there probably was a bit of that. Yeah. Um, and talk about faking. Uh, morale was boosted by the number of captured pointy helmets from the Germans. Right, so the Germans wore pointy helmets. Wore, like in the, the, the cliches you'd expect, the, the distinctive German helmets. They had hundreds of them in Paris. And uh, look at all these souvenirs we've captured. And it turned out there's a very enterprising blacksmith making them. I love that. <laughs> and, and he was he was flogging them. And it was You would. That's exactly yeah. what my dad would have been doing. <laughs> really? It would have gone, they aren't these. Right, let's knock them out. That's <laughs> so no they were problem. making pointy German helmets. Um so you do think, don't you, when you read about things like this, yeah. you think, what would I be doing? Like, would I be the Amazon of the Seine or would I be catching a rat? So and because I, I often think about how useless is it Woody Allen who said what I'd be in a war is a hostage. Oh, <laughs> I remember that great line in Annie Hall. He goes, uh, he, uh, Annie Hall says, uh, I always wondered whether how I'd stand up under torture. And Woody Allen says, 
the Nazis would just take away your Bloomingdale's charge card. You'd tell them everything. <laughs> um, yeah, Woody Allen, not as in fashion as he was. Back to the siege of Paris. Cable was laid upon the Seine and said all that. And then, um, yeah, they, they ate the horses. They ate the elephants from the zoo. They ate rats. But they made an effort with the rats. They made salami out of it. They added garlic to the rat. And they, that's the time-consuming, yeah, they took you know, care. to cure a rat. Cure and, a rat. And, uh, then, and then there was a whole debate about what was the tastiest dog. So a spaniel was decided, sorry, you've got a little cockapoo, haven't you? I have. This is going to make me sad. It's the tastiest dog you've got there, Angela. Your spaniel. No mention She's of... mostly poodle. Oh, no, poodles were on the list as well. They were quite good. Bulldog's not so tasty, apparently. No mention of my Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever. They are not on the list of dogs eaten in Paris. But your spaniel and poodle... Oh, mix would have been a, would have been a delicacy. She's top of the menu in there. Oh, Tino, it's all right. We're not under siege. Um, shell, you know, the occasional shell would fly over from the German lines and land. So every now and then every they just fire then, something in yeah, just to just remind a, them they're there. They're there. Yeah. And the poor working class French kids would amuse themselves by, if they saw a rich person in, in their furs, they'd, they'd shout, shell, take cover. And the, the, they'd throw themselves into the mud in their woody fur coat. This is my favourite bit <laughs> then, of the whole story. It's just a working class kid seeing a posh twat. In a fur coat. And going, fur shell coat. coming. Yeah, and just watching them dive into the mud for nothing. Absolutely. Beautiful. Brilliant. That was just how they amused themselves, really, um, <laughs> into the mud. A bit of uh, pressure for the French to break out. And, mm. and, and storm with a disorganized national disorganized army. army and no weapons. No, we uh, yeah, I think they had, I think they had guns and they had uh, cannons. They were very proud of their uh, rifle at the beginning right. of this war. It turned out to be nowhere near as effective as they had imagined. Right. Um, and there was a lot of pressure. They, they, they couldn't shake off the idea that they would ultimately be victorious, and they kept believing that. Um, just because they were French, Just right? because they were, had been this world power for so long. Yeah. Uh, and Prussia Again, hadn't been. Again, can't think of any analogies of this. <laughs> um, but they, they tried to have a break. They had action at Le Bourget, uh, and the French seized the village of Le Bourget, but then lost it immediately, and then Paris fell into a great depression. And lots yeah. of uh, stroke of chins. you can't even... of chins, we're so depressed. <laughs> Sad poems now. Oh, yeah, Victor Hugo now is... <laughs> yeah, his poems have got sadder. They attempted a bigger breakout in uh, late November by uh, General Trushu, that, but that was doomed. And then when the third uh, attempt failed uh, in January, General Trushu resigned. And the resigned? Did he go resigned. off to live with his I don't know, he's mum in Brittany in her balloon-damaged house? Yeah, they kept because the power really it was the Parisian public who kept clamming for military action when it had no chance of success. Yeah. So it's not really his fault. A final sortie in January the 18th. A massive army of undernourished, untrained National Guard uh, tried to break out at Buzen, Buzenval. And they were defeated, of course. And there were riots in Paris and political prisoners were released. Uh, and it was a complete uh, disaster. So yeah. it was clear that Prussia had won the Franco-Prussian War. So this, this is three months? Uh, well, this is mid-January 1871. So there's September, October, November, December. Yeah, so they've, they've been besieged. Uh, since the end of September. Yeah. Um, so King William of Prussia is crowned Emperor of Germany. Um, and uh, he now outranks Queen Victoria. Really? So that didn't go down. Says right. whom? Uh, says the international uh, uh, grading of monarchs. Oh. So Queen is not as good as Emperor. Emperor chomps Queen. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But then they just made her an empress, right? That's what they did. That's yeah. exactly why they did it. Yeah. Because it was like, um, she, yeah, because I think he's a nephew or something or in son-in-law or something. 
they're all, I mean, they're all, they're they're all cousins, right? They're all, they're all, I'm not saying they're all family of German. <laughs> it's a bit like Newfoundland in that way. <laughs> yeah. I went to where my granddad was born in Newfoundland, a little town, population 200 people. Wow. Called Ship Harbour. 200 people, two surnames. Oh my God. And those two surnames are Griffiths and Griffin. Oh my God. <laughs> it's not a lot of deviance lot there. Of, yeah, you're marrying and, your um, sister. You're marrying your sister. It's good enough I for your mother and I. I bumped into someone <laughs> in, in, uh, in the street, just sort of said hello. And yeah. then, of course, everyone talks to everyone there as we're chatting. And uh, sort of talking about, I was talking about my granddad and family and told him where he lived and everything. Yeah. He said, oh yeah, it makes us cousins. I said, we're cousins. He said, we're all cousins here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, well, like, that's yeah. A, like, they're all families of Europe in the 19th century. Yeah. And so they, when I think they uh, decided to make, uh, Disraeli, I think, had the idea of uh, calling the Queen the Empress of India. Right. So that she could uh, be on a level sort of playing field with uh, Wilhelm of, uh, of, of Germany, of Prussia. So yeah, he was he proclaimed emperor at uh, Versailles. And this was the beginning of the Second Reich. Right. Don't hear as much about the Second Reich. You do don't, you? do you? No. Don't go to the airport. The third really... Uh... First doesn't even get a look in. No. <laughs> the third, if you're at the airport, quite a lot of books on the Third yeah. Reich. Second Reich, not so much. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those trilogies where, you know, gets more... It gets more better t- as it goes <laughs> on. Oh, God. <laughs> so what, the first... how, many, how many times can you say that, that the third yeah. is the most interesting? Yeah. Can't say that about Superman. No. no. Jaws? No way. No way. <laughs> Reichs? Definitely the third one is the one I want to read about. Anyway, so the second Reich is 1871 to 1918. Yeah. Um, and uh, right means empire, obviously. Paul Napoleon III, he retired. Do you know where he retired to? Chiselhurst. Chiselhurst Golf I, I, Club. I was born not far from there. Chiselhurst Golf Club. It wasn't a golf club then. When he retired. No, but it is now. The bit that is now the, the, the clubhouse. Is that Chiselhurst uh, Place? I don't know. It might be, yeah. Some, but it's got a really uh, grand Chiselhurst name. Chiselhurst is an interesting place. It's got really good caves. Have you ever been to Chiselhurst Caves? I haven't, no. Go there. They're really All right. good. Uh, I was born in Sidcup, just up the road. Sidcup? I was indeed. Ted Heath's constituency. Ah, there you go. Got to get down to Sidcup. Ah. <laughs> Um, um, so yes, yeah, so Napoleon III retired to England, uh, licking his wounds. The Germans paraded through Paris on March the first. Germany got Alsace-Lorraine, that little some bit. nice quiche. They got some lovely quiche there. They got some colonies, mm. some French colonies, and Paris was more divided ever. Rural Catholic conservatives versus radical Republican cities. It's like it's like again we're coming back to leave and remain. So it was yeah. like the radicals were in the towns, the conservatives were in the countryside, and. Um, in March, for two months, Paris was ruled by the communards. So what? By the, by the communards. Jimmy Somerville and the vicar bloke. Singing high-pitched voices in check shirts. It was all... Who do, do, do. You? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was... Who <laughs> from Richard Cole? you kept that quiet? He did. He was, like, he was ruling Paris. Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, that was brutally put down. That was like a, a sort of form of socialist government. This is the Paris Commune. The Paris Commune. About, yeah. Paris Commune. Karl Marx was a big fan. Yeah. I don't think we'd really say it was like a proper communist government. It's probably worth a whole podcast in its own one day. Yeah, well, but, uh, well let's come back and do that because it well, is really fascinating, it, it, well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, there's not, uh, it's sort of a bit tragic, really, because it gets very brutally suppressed uh, and a lot of the leaders executed. But um, Germany becomes a major world power, which uh, boded really well for the next 75 years. Absolutely. German unification was complete. Um, but then, you know, Germany would invade France two more times. Yeah, once isn't enough, is it? No, it's so nineteen fourteen. So you know, not it's sort of a not a big gap between eighteen seventy one and nineteen fourteen, yeah. and not a big gap between nineteen eighteen and nineteen thirty nine. So over those three, you know, that hat trick of uh, invasions of France, 
Um, and everyone in Europe learned what a terrible thing war was. And France and Germany led Europe into the establishment of a common market, which everyone agreed was lovely and a great way forward and would never be challenged ever again. I mean, you'd be a fool to challenge You'd be it. a fool, wouldn't you? So <laughs> that's the siege of Paris where they ate the animals in the zoo. Yeah. They, they flew they, some balloons they out. They flew some balloons out. They um, pressed on their stomachs to they stop pressed being on their hungry. hungry, and uh, they read the poems of Victor Hugo to inspire them. I think uh, I think we've got a you know you've, you'd get a degree. I think on if you used our chat on that to base your essay, don't yeah. read any other books. Don't forget to reference us. Don't forget to reference us and uh, the 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 nice uh, what's his name Robert Baldick, whose name. Uh, uh, that one, but you, you read a different book to me on this one, which is I read The Fall of Paris by Alistair Horn. Oh, I've got that one here. Alistair oh, you've got Horn. that one as well? Yeah, yeah. Siege in the Commune. Yeah. Um, so you read a bit about the Commune, did you? I didn't finish it, John, okay. so no. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> once, 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 I went on holiday and I fancied reading something a bit trashy. Yeah, but uh, I think I think that's everything. <laughs> Sad about the dog. Sorry about your cockapoo, Angela. No. Um, but if you've enjoyed our uh, uh, analysis of the Siege of Paris, give us a rating. Give us five stars oh, if you Go could. on there. Give Is us it up five to five? Stars, oh, give us a five stars. If it's up to five, maybe it's out of ten. I will or, beg. Maybe it's out of ten. Maybe five stars is not very good. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, if you want to get in touch, we are History Pod, Instagram, on MySpace, on Instagram. Are we on Instagram? Bebo. We are on Instagram. We've got, do you know how many followers? We've got three. Have we? That's you. No, you're not following us. I am. <laughs> I My daughter's followers and one other person. I think I probably set it up and then you forgot did. about it. You did. Three followers. Probably forgot Instagram. about Instagram. But I'm not but sure we're going to use it. We don't really use, use Twitter. All right. That's going to be the best Twitter. one to get us on. Yeah. So yeah. catch us next time. Uh, à, le, à, à bientôt. À bientôt. Um, uh, merci au beaucoup revoir. pour écouter à notre podcast. Oh, très bien, Jean. Ah, je parle français, moi. Uh, merci à Spike. Merci beaucoup à Spike Elwood. Oh, uh, le, I was going to say notre, and then I can't think of what the producer might be. engineer. Ingenieur. That's not the word, is it? Yeah, anyway. Who did a job formidable for us? Très formidable. We'll stop speaking French now. We'll catch you next time on We Are History. Au revoir.